You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daryl Hurz, and this is Bridge the Atlantic. Welcome to Bridge Atlantic's interviews, where we get to know the people behind and in front of the creative industries. If you're new here, consider subscribing for more episodes. We are your hosts, music web designer Ross Barber-Smith from Scotland, owner of Electric Kiwi, where we create awesome custom websites for bands, artists, and musicians. And I'm singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist Marcino Novelli from Canada. When I'm not releasing music or doing this show, I'm producing records or vlogging as the crazy vegan. Before we jump into the interview, we just want to let you know that we are on Patreon and you can become a bridger from as little as a dollar per month. You'll gain access to our exclusive new Encore series featuring never before seen videos with our guests and your support will allow us to keep bringing you weekly videos here at Bridge the Atlantic. Yes, absolutely. Sign up on Patreon. You can also head on over to our website to pick up one of our shirts. If you use the coupon code BTA rocks, you'll receive 20% off your order as our way of saying gracias. So joining us this week out of Toronto is Daryl Hers, owner and program director of Indie Week. Indie Week is an annual music festival held over four days and nights featuring local and international acts performing in the heart of Toronto, Canada. Indie Week's showcases are judged by members of the music industry and the top scoring act receives a paid trip to headline Indie Week UK. In this interview, we're going to find out more about how artists can successfully apply for festivals like Indie Week and the advice Daryl would offer to bands and musicians in general. Hey, Daryl, welcome to Bridge the Atlantic. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Um, we like to get things started off very awkward because that's just how Ross and I roll. So why don't you tell us yeah. three things about yourself that everyone should know? Three things. Uh, I, my background is in music. I started playing guitar at 14 and I actually studied at Grant McEwen uh, Community College uh, in composition. So I, my background is a performer and composer first. Uh, then I went on, uh, part of my career was graphic design and I freelanced. Uh, it, the story is kind of interesting as a start, but basically I quit my job at HMV and ended up in a graphics program and uh, through freelance, I actually ended up doing work for Live Nation. So was able to do um, some pretty cool, interesting work there. I helped rebrand the company. So a uh, pretty big gig. And uh, I started Indie Week. Uh, this is our 15th year. So uh, it's been my complete focus for the last 15 years. Can you break down what are some of the main benefits for artists who are playing at or attending festivals and conferences, particularly kind of now in 2018 and how they can make the most of the experience while they're there. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, an interesting thing that's come out of discussions lately, uh, and I just finished a tour of like six conferences and festivals in South America. So it's been seeing a lot and seeing what festivals do and conferences do and differences and similarities. And I think they're actually incorrectly named, right? I think of festival is where it's kind of more like, say, a Lollapalooza, a Bonnaroo, where it's bands playing, and that's it. That's what a true festival is. A conference is panels and all that. But 
I think in terms of business, I think the term convention is actually kind of more apt to a festival that has conference. Like there's a music component, but there's also the industry component. And it's kind of like, you know, if I worked for IBM every six months, there's a convention I have to go to and learn about what the new products are, what the new trends are, uh, how am I going to better sell our product and all of that. So I kind of think this is more of like um, the festivals that I run or work with is kind of more of like a convention. And it's all about really, here's what we're doing. Is anyone interested? And trying to make that sort of relationship where future business can happen after that event happens and takes place. So uh, a lot of these kind of cases, the artist showcases are good, but a lot of place where the, the artist should put focus on is what industry is here? Who can I talk to? Who can I connect with? Because they're all in one spot at one time. And, you know, I think a lot of mistakes is there hasn't been any pre-planning to that before the event. So like when I go to an event, I'm like hitting up people I know that's going to be there, local businesses that I don't even know if they're attending or not. But if I'm going to be in a city and there's like a record label, a producer, I'll email them and see if we can have a meeting. And I think that's the biggest thing is artists miss the point of it's all about the stuff that happens off the stage in behind the scenes that make the stage successful. Mm -hmm. So um, take advantage. Like when there's a lot of delegates in industry, artists should be in meetings all day long and talking to these people and selling what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely all about the long game, uh, the relationships and, you know, everything that's built. Um, I would love to hear a little bit about how, artists can submit to your festival or convention if we're going to change the name um in particular and how you choose your artists like what's the criteria that you're looking for um the the submission process we've got two ways to submit um we we've gone through like we use sonic bids and there's that stigma some artists hate it some artists love it uh but uh as response we've also created our own where it's just a simple paypal system uh, regardless, all artists have to fill out the same form. So we're getting the same information, whichever way they get to us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the Sonic Bits thing, like there's, I'm just going to dive in because there's always this sort of online argument about it. Um, we started, like when I first started, we would take in like mail-in submissions and my office would have stacks of envelopes and the each application was completely unique and different. Like I got a box of chocolates with one. I got a bubble wrap with balloons in a different one. Uh, And it actually made it more time consuming as opposed to, I just want to hear music. And I often found the more packaging there was, the actual music was more lacking than the real simple. Here's my CD and music. Uh, So Sonic Bids was kind of like the first online platform that made that process easy. And it's still easy on the back end for organizing submissions, like not losing, like where's this one or that one. And it's also like there's a rating system and a communication system. So that part's actually really favorable in the sense that it makes our job easier to actually get through hundreds of submissions and do that process. Well, the other thing I, I, 
do like about it is that everybody's on the same playing field. Like the websites, the REPKs, and they're all the same. And the focus is for our end is the music. It's not the design of the EPK. So we're really looking at just the raw, what's the bio, what is the artist doing? So that part's good. Um, our PayPal submission, we built our own backends rating system uh, so that it's organized. And um, uh, there's a lot of automation on it as well. Uh, it took us some time to build that. Uh, and it, it works great right now. So both are good. And basically, we just let the artists, like, it's their choice as to how to submit. Um, as far as being successful in what we're looking for, first is the music. We listen to absolutely everything. And uh, it's, I, I enjoy that, actually, when I'm at the festival and artists meet me. And I'm like, oh, you're the band with that breakdown in the middle. And they're like, you listen to it? And I'm like, yeah, I absolutely did. So um, that's a very important thing to me is when I meet the artist to be able to have that connection already. Um, so everything is absolutely listened to. And uh, style-wise, you know, we look for what we think is good first. Like we've had a band called the Mad Violinist and Symphony Crack Orchestra, which is crazy, and you wouldn't think is marketable. But and there was no singer in the band. It's the it, the voice is a violin. Uh, they ended up winning our Indie Week Ireland, and we brought them here, and they did amazing. Like by the end of the week, they were packing the bovine. Uh, so our genre range is broad and we're looking for something that we think is unique. Um, the one thing about programming is in each genre, we can only accept certain amounts. So, uh, one year, for instance, there was a lot of really great acoustic artists, like a lot. And we we're like, wow, can we say yes to like 80 acoustic artists? I don't think so. So we have to even whittle that down to like 20, 30 uh, sometimes 40, like, uh, but it's, it's very competitive in that sense. There's a lot of great artists out there. Um, there's a lot of ones that aren't ready yet too. So I think, uh, maybe the mistakes some artists make is applying before they're ready. Like they don't have all their ducks in a row. Um, and they have to see from our end where it's like, man, I've got, it could come down to like, I've got two great rock bands but only one spot left. What's the deciding factor? You know, we delve into the history, the background, who they worked with, what they're doing. Is their website even up to date? There's sometimes a, like I was on a band's website and the last update was 2014. I want to, I want to jump in. You said, you know? and there's, and you have one spot left. Is there, is there truth? Uh, we've had other festival and convention organizers on uh, the show in the past and, right. and they did, confirm my theories that it is much more viable to apply to a festival early yes because spots do fill uh, up you don't, it's you got to admit there's no way you sit back until the the entry period is completely done and then choose your artist you're choosing as you go you have to be we have to do rounds yeah right uh and in fact i just got out of a quick uh huddle here at the office where we're already talking about can we make an announcement in february mm -hmm. right yeah. Like, can we, can we make an announcement and where it's some of the artists and, and, uh, you know, on our end, we do that. Like the early applications are absolutely crucial. Um, and part of the thing is our process is 
we listen to the artists we kind of go with like our first part of the system is yes, no, maybe like some artists, you just know right off the bat. No, some man, this could, I don't know. Maybe let's come back to it. So we will listen again and again throughout the year. If like there's some artists that like, man, it's, it's they're on that cusp where this could be amazing or completely the opposite of amazing. Right. And, and those are hard, hard decisions. So it's not like we make the decision right then and there. We come back to it. I want to go into Sonic Bids a little bit. Um, so yeah. Sonic Bids is pretty much universally <laughs> despised by musicians. I, I know um, I, that might be a bold claim, but I know most people, most musicians I know um, are not fans of, of Sonic Bids. And I do want to applaud right. Indie Week for um, for having an op- a second option, for having the PayPal option. Um the issue I have personally with Sonic Bids is I, I it, they they just charge so much money um, to simply make your material public. You know what I mean? I can understand if they would justify saying that it's for their uh, servers, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, my stuff, for example, just talk about me. My stuff's already there. You just got to make it public. I'm not asking for that for free, but you know, having to pay 130, 140 bucks a year just to make that public, and then on top of that, having to pay for every festival convention that you apply to, that is a bit uh, feels like robbery to me. You know what I mean? And as a musician who you really have to be smart on where to put your money, um, right. it, just, it just doesn't seem right. I know you don't work for Sonic Bids and you can't comment on that. Mm-hmm. That's just something I want to put out there. It's frustrating. That's what it is, you know? And and leading to that, um, this is something I've been asked to um, talk about a little bit. So I, I want to divert the question a little bit to you. Because um, sure. the question that I have, this is separate from Sonic Bids, this deals with festivals. Second, I, the question I have that I think a lot of my fellow musicians also have is how most festivals justify charging a submission fee, the dreaded pay-to-play model, when they often have sponsors and most of the people involved are volunteers. So could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. First, I, I don't look at it as pay-to-play because true pay-to-play is renting a venue, paying for it, and you play. Or uh, buy-on, which takes place everywhere in this industry. If you want to go on a national tour, you pay to get on that tour. So that's a buy-on, right? Everything costs money. Like I pay staff to listen, right? And sometimes it's more than once. Then I pay staff to post everything onto the websites and social media and all that. So it's just, there's a lot of cost involved. Now, on the other hand, we did use another format one year, um, a competition to Sonic Bids. And uh, part of their model is it has to be free. So we did try free one year. And one, you get a lot of like, that was a mom and dad in the basement playing. And they're definitely not ready. And, you know, the end result was actually quite bad for us. Uh, Part of the, when we go into um, uh, an agreement with like a Sonic Bids or any of their competitors, there's an agreement that a certain set of slots have to be set aside for applications through that system. So for Sonic Bids this year, I believe it's 75 performance slots must be programmed through Sonic Bids. So there is a level of guarantee that artists are being selected from that process. Now, when we went through another system and it was free and we had to hold spots for it, at, like when we li- finished listening, we're like, 
I wouldn't take one of these artists. And now we actually have to devalue our festival by putting in less quality artists uh, to a certain number. And it was a very hard year. So it, you know, it helps like, to wean out some people that might not be as serious. Um, I think because if you've yeah. got to spend money, I think you're going to, for the most part, make sure that your stuff's in order. Unless, like you said, there's some people who aren't, but maybe they're not aware that their stuff's not in order. <laughs> but, you know, it, it does help it, wean people out. And I do want to comment. Yeah. I personally, as an artist, don't really have that much of an issue uh, paying to submit to a festival. I get it. You guys are doing a lot of work. You've got staff to pay. I'm not, for me, it's more the issue with Sonic Bids. And I mean, I, I don't want to take on Sonic Bids. I'm not taking on that thing. But I, I do yeah. I do challenge well, Sonic Bids to maybe, you know, bring down their fees a little bit. But that's a separate thing. I, 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 I think Sonic Bids, they put out some great articles and everything. And a lot of our past guests have actually written Sonic Bids articles. But I'm just saying the model doesn't work. It does definitely doesn't work for me. And uh, I, I don't know anyone who likes it. But let's let's lighten things up a little bit. Let's lighten things up. Are you ready for 20 yes. questions? 19. 20, just to mess with you. 20 just kidding. Here we go. <laughs> Coffee or tea? Coffee. Meat or veggies? Meat. Twitter. I'm from Alberta. Twitter or Facebook? Ooh, uh, Facebook. Now this this isn't a trick question. Indie or major? Uh, indie. CD or 100%. vinyl? One hundred percent. Vinyl. Toronto or Manchester? Mm. Both. Sorry. <laughs> Come on. Uh, education or experience? Education leads to experience. Nice. Marvel or DC? Marvel, 1000%. Ghosts or aliens? Uh, ghosts. Talent or attitude? Talent. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Microsoft or Apple? Apple. Ice hockey or baseball? I'm Canadian. Hockey. Batman or Superman? Uh, Superman. Vampires or zombies? Vampires. Michael Jackson or Michael Bolton? Jackson. Celine Dion or Marilyn Manson? Ooh, uh, Manson. Nice. Good. That's the right answer. Actually, no, Celine Dion's great <laughs> at what she does, too. Don't get me wrong. Anyway, exactly. I digress. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whale or kale? Sorry, say that again? Whale or kale? Whale. <laughs> I, always, I always get a kick out of people not understanding Ross. Bette Midler or the Riddler? <laughs> Uh, Riddler. And your final, final question, Ross or Marcio? Ooh, I'm going to go with the accent on this one. Oh, just and I played in, I played your festival. It's unique. My film was at your, at the first riff. Like, come on, what's going on? I man? know. Wow. How does that make me feel? For artists who have never applied to a festival before, what um, actual advice, very quickly, can you give them to help make the process easier increase their chance of success I, well i think in everything festivals industry is what's the story that's going on with the artist and the, as many more talking points there are the better it is um image is everything as well even though people try to say it's not we often see a photo before we listen to the music and it does put a picture 
like it represents what sound it'll probably be before we even hear it. Um, but talking points is really important. And, you know, again, it's like, if you're not ready, it's better to attend mm. and start building your story from as an attendee point, than investing a lot of money and not getting the results that you're looking for. You know, I went to South by first on my own before trying to do business there. I went to CMJ on my own before doing business there. I went to Great Escape and Liverpool Sound City before doing business in UK. You know, like it's it's one flight as opposed to five. It's one hotel as opposed to many, right? right so, right. you know, it, with artists thinking of a, like applying, sometimes it's better to like come see it first. Right. And, and experience it. And, you know, you can build the connections that when you do come back and perform, you already can invite industry that you met already. And they followed your story between the 12 months and there's more interest. So, so. Absolutely. Now, to yeah. everyone tuning into this right now, um, if you'd like to hear more from Daryl, you can head over to our Patreon page to check out our exclusive Encore series where we'll be uh, chatting with Daryl about some specific things that you should and shouldn't do when applying for festivals. Um, and this special series is just for our patrons, so don't miss it. Now, where's the best place for people to connect with you online, Daryl? Uh, online? Probably uh, if, if it's uh, email daryl.hers at IndieWeek. I'm cool with giving that out. Uh, and then uh, I've got a website coming at daryl.hers.com, but uh, truthfully, canada.indieweek.com is where we post everything. Perfect. So. Cool. Awesome. And if you want more from Bridge Atlantic, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Don't forget to visit our website and pick up one of these bad boy shirts while you're there <laughs> as for me i'm working on my new solo album and you can check out my music on spotify and itunes and just about everywhere and anywhere you like to stream or download music follow me on facebook instagram and twitter which are all my name marciano Velli. and i am working on websites for various artists at the moment you can check out my work at electrickiwi.co.uk. you'll find me on twitter and instagram as electric kiwi and on facebook electric kiwi design this episode was brought to you by 30 Roses, a virtual assistant and consultant to musicians and other creatives, and Social Surge. All links are in the description, so please check them out because they do what, Ross? They keep the show alive. Beautiful. And if you Assistant. would like to sponsor the show, visit patreon.com slash bridge the Atlantic. We have recently updated our rewards, which now includes sponsorship at the start of our interviews, an opportunity for you to co-host an episode, and of course, gain access to our new Encore series. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and iTunes so you don't miss any episodes, and leave us a comment and let us know what you think of the show. Daryl, this has been fantastic, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Great. Thanks for having me. Uh, what you guys are doing great. And I hope everybody tunes in and uh, supports you guys because this is fantastic. I, I really appreciate that, man. That means a lot. And uh, see you on Encore. You bet. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.